0: Are you ready? Yes. Go with me to Malachi chapter 2. And we have been talking for weeks now on the grace-based families. And we are simply going to continue this morning. And for this morning, we are going to talk on raising godly children. Raising godly children. Now, I know these kind of messages don't give you goosebumps necessarily. You're not hanging up the chandelier when you hear raising godly children. But I can tell you that in the mind of God, this is absolutely important. Yes, sir. Because if we do do not reproduce godly children, we're going to wake up one morning and we're going to be like modern day talking, needing to be re-evangelized. So it is absolutely imperative. From God's perspective, that we are not just the church, but that the church is reproducing godly offspring that will continue to carry out God's agenda on the earth. Now, I don't know how many of you saw the uh, same statistics that I saw this last week by the Pew Research. Mind-blowing. I mean, really, they, they didn't say anything that we don't already know because we said this over the last two or three services when we had our discussion time. But it's amazing to me to see the collaboration. We felt it, but now we know it. What did they say? They said one-third of all millennials, that is age group 18 through 35, do not believe in God any longer. period. 30%. Now, we can't just push it on the millennials and say, ah, these guys are all ungodly. No. Their reason was very simple. They said the parents have passed on to them traditions and religion that is no longer relevant. Yes. Incredible. Now, I, I, we were in a meeting this morning. And we were talking about certain things regarding the life groups. <laughs> and that was an awakening for me and some of the other people in the meeting, because the younger people were telling us, we're not gonna use curriculums for these group meetings. They said, because in kindergarten, we had a curriculum. In elementary school, we had curriculums. In high school, we had curriculums. In college, we have curriculums. We are not adults, we don't want any more curriculums. They think it's totally different. Now, we can park where we are and complain and say these guys are off the front of the wall and they're crazy, they're this and that, but at the end of the day, we've got to deal with reality. That's right. We've got to deal with reality. So they said, they are no longer, they, they have a category for them now. they call them none. N-O-N-E. They are not Catholics. They are not Protestants. They are not Charismatics. They are not Pentecostals. They are not Muslims. They are not Hindus. They are none. (laughs) None! It is an uh, awakening alarm. Because some of these millennials are raised in godly uh, households. But because somehow there is a disconnect between who we are and in message we're passing to them, they say, no, I, I, we don't want this. We don't want this. So this morning, let's look at this topic of raising godly children. In Malachi chapter 2, in verse 15, it says, But he did not make them one. No, no, I'm sorry. But did he not make them one? Having a remnant of the Spirit? And why one? Why? He seeks godly offspring. So we know what God's intention is. This is the reason for which God called himself the God of the fathers. I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. And I'm the God of Jacob. Why? I want to relate to generations pure So, let's go to one more scripture and then we're going to dive into this in Psalms 127. Psalms 127 verse 3. Raising godly children. Psalms 127 verse 3. Well, we can start from verse 1 actually. Unless the Lord builds a house, the labor in vain, who build it? Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Verse 3. Behold, children are heritage from the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is a reward. And the idea here is, all of us, as much as we love our children, must come to the, we must come to grip with the fact that first and foremost, children belong to God. Yes, and we are God's stewards, instruments, channels, through which these children will receive the correct instruction and training so that they can be like God. Children are a heritage of the Lord or from the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is His reward. Now, So we know God's intention. We know his heart. Now please go with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And let me just give this background for Ephesians. Uh, uh, More and more now when I read the scriptures, I think I'm beginning to appreciate understanding the context so you can understand the message. First three chapters of Ephesians deals with your position in Christ. The first three chapters explains to the believer your position, who you are, your identity. Saved by grace. God's grace upon your life. You are seated together in heavenly places. So Paul helps me to address your heavenly heritage in the first three chapters. Then from chapters 4 through 6, it begins to address your practices or your behavior as a result of a heavenly perspective. In other words, it starts with you being in heaven and ends in chapter 6 with heaven in the house. I hope, I hope you got what I just said. It starts with your position in heaven. And then ends it by showing you how heaven should be present at home. So that's where we are now, Ephesians chapter 6. So don't forget where you began. You are in heaven, seated together with Jesus in the heavenly places. Not only that, you have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ in the heavenly places ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 so it is from that perspective now that begins to tell us verse 1 ephesians chapter 6 children obey your parents in the lord for this is right honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. I've said this before, and I'm saying this again now. Many people die prematurely because they've not understood the scripture. Many, many, many people. Many, many people. Uh, And and while we're saying that, let me just establish this. Certain things happen to people that we must be careful not to blame God for. For instance, this terrible, horrific, earthquake in Nepal, over 7,000 people dead. The insurance people will call it an act of God. The religious people will say it's the judgment of God. Both of them are wrong. Absolutely. Think about it this way. How could I accept as a traditional believer that an earthquake is because of the darkness and the sins of the Nepalese and God judged them and then the next week go there and preach the gospel. God loves the world. If God is killing them, what do you mean that he's loving them? How can he be killing and loving them at the same time? Something is wrong with that doctrine. It's a lie. And let me just help you out here. You don't have to have an explanation for everything that's happening. Some things we simply just don't know. Say, I don't know, rather than blame God. God has told us, he's no longer judging anybody. Jesus has taken my judgment, and all of the judgment of the Nepalese people. He's taking their judgments. How dare we, with our warped theology, say that God is judging the Nepali people by sending earthquake to them, and then you go and send money for a missionary to go and preach the gospel to them. Isn't that foolish? Sure, yes. For a person who's just lost their father, their mother, their son, a daughter, you say, God loves you, but he killed your people yesterday. Who wants a God like that? That's why the gospel message is not getting traction. We have diluted, polluted, mixed, perverted theology. God did not judge Louisiana when Katrina went there. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. We live in a fallen world, and men make decisions that are bad, and those decisions have consequences. And when a consequence happens, we blame it on God, and then we go back and say, "God loves you." Hello, which one is it? He just killed my father, and now he loves me. Ted Turner, the friend of CNN, the owner of Turner Classics, why did he become an atheist? As a young boy, his sister was sick. The little boy prayed. The girl died. And the preacher came to the house and said, God loves the girl more. And that's why God took her. I'm telling you the truth. So you tell a young boy that God that he has not seen loves his sister more. That's why he took the sister and now the boy is missing his sister. He said, I don't want that kind of a God. Since that day, he has not stepped inside the church. Wrong theology. Wrong doctrine. And we need to be careful what we're saying to people. It's either God is love or It's not. There's no addition, subtraction. There's nothing you can add to it or take away from it. It's either it is or it's not. Now, it is also true that where darkness persists, there are consequences for those darkness acts. And therefore, there can be an implosion, there can be a reaction, there can be destruction. All kinds of things happen. (laughs) Sin brings devastation. Because whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That has nothing to do with God doing it. Amen. True. Amen. Amen. You go up on a 10-story building and jump off the building and say, God killed you when you hit the ground. Really? No. There are consequences. There are consequences. I don't even know how I got into this now. good. Wow. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment we promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. So if I choose to violate that and things happen to me, God didn't do it. God didn't do it. There are consequences. And so we need to understand that as we move forward in this message. Now, verse 4. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. This is really the verse I want to address today. Now, before I make my comment on it, let's go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Folks, Jesus is, is, is incredible. Yes. It's incredible. It's incredible. Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. Well, I guess we can start from verse 20. Colossians 3, 20. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Look at the emphasis again, verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged question parenting is a two people job father and mother but here Paul is challenging the man specifically he's well aware that there's a mother in the house but he says to the father do not provoke your children unto wrath What's, what, what, what are we supposed to take away from that To all the men and all the potential fathers in the house this morning, I want you to know that even though parenting is a father-mother duty, at the end of the day, God is going to hold the man accountable for what happens in his house. At the end of the day, and we're going to go to the scriptures and begin to see it in a minute. Fathers, do not provoke your children unto wrath. Yes, the mother and the father together have a collective responsibility of training, nurturing, instructing their children. No doubt about that. But you see, when God comes to find out what happened in the house, he's not talking to two people. He's not talking to two people. After Eve ate the fruit... And God knew when she ate it. Knew who ate it first. Mm. When God came down to talk to them, He zeroed in Adam straight away. Totally, completely, put Eve aside. Why? Because the man bears the responsibility for the household. It's not just wearing trousers. I'm sorry. Ah, the men are not talking to me. I neither are the woman talking to me. Amen. I'm alone this morning with Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Being a man is not just saying, do you know who I am? Being the head of a household is not a positional thing. It's a responsibility thing. It's an accountability thing. It's not a matter of being superior or having dominion. No, none of that. It's all about being accountable to the stewardship of your household. You cannot say to God, is the woman you gave me. Adam tried it, it didn't work. Now, let's go to more specific examples. First Samuel chapter three Eli, the high priest in Israel. Let's in fact let's go to that scripture. First Samuel three. I think that's where it is. Okay. First Samuel chapter two. First Samuel two. Now verse twenty two. First Samuel two verse twenty two. Now Eli was very old and he heard everything his sons did to all Israel. And had they lay with the woman who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the meeting. So he said to them, why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. Know my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear. You have made the lost people transgress. Verse 27. Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, thus says the Lord, did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father? when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon my altar? On and on and on and on. Verse 30. Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father will walk before me forever, but now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. And then, of course, bang, Eli received a bad report from God, and we all know the story. He died, him and his sons, on the same day. Question, where's Mrs. Eli? Why did God not address her? Because Mr. Eli was the one that received the responsibility for headship in that relationship. And as far as God is concerned, he, Mr. Eli, was missing in action. So God addressed him. First Samuel chapter 8. In fact, we need to read that one. First Samuel chapter 8. Now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of the firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, and perverted justice. So, because of this children's misbehavior, the elders came to Samuel and said, you know what, we want a king. Now, let me just address this quickly, and then we're going to move on. In this passage, someone made a grievous error by making his sons judges. How do I know that? In the 400-year history of Israel, under the judges, only God appointed judges. The judges were appointed at particular times to address specific and particular crises. After which, once that crisis was over, the judge returned back to the occupation. And then the next judge, and the next judge. So the judgeship, judgeship in Israel was totally, completely chosen only by God. And none of the judges were succeeded by their descendants. None of them. So Samuel, for some reason, they say he was old, but all the commentaries say at this age, at this time, was between 50 and 60 years old. But he made a grievous error. He presumed to put his sons in a position that God never had them. Kings, on the other hand, were installed or anointed by the prophets, and they they were kings for as long as they lived and could be succeeded by their descendants. Huge distinction. Okay? Now, let's move forward in this message. Why is it that children of godly people go astray? Why? Because Samuel was godly. The Bible said so. Man of integrity, great credibility, anointed. But his sons, his two sons, the only two sons he had, the Bible says they were sons of Bela. How could they have grown in a house like that and still went astray? Sons of Eli, they were the sons of the priesthood, and yet they went astray. Son of the first Adam, Cain was a murderer. Son of Abraham, Ishmael, is still working in our flesh today. Son of Noah, Ham, still very much in effect today. Son of David, Adonijah. Absalom. On and on and on and on. The list goes on. Son of Jacob. Son of Isaac. Esau. Why? Why are the men? Or rather, why, 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 why are the children of this godly man and woman? Why do they sometimes go astray? Because we need to know. Because we are raising children. And we just talked, talked about the fact that the millennials are checking out. What can we learn that will help us to be sure that generations after us will still stop God and be godly so we don't become the evangelistic field that Turkey is today or Iraq and all of these places where the gospel had gone to and now totally, completely no presence of God. Amen? Amen? Let's look at that for a minute and then we're going to come back. Number one, This is why kids go astray. Number one, undue indulgence. Undue indulgence. Overindulgence in things that will ultimately destroy them if it's not put in check. Undue indulgence. Number two. Number two, excessive severity. That was a warning in Ephesians chapter 6. Fathers, do not provoke your children unto wrath. There's a way in which we can discipline or reprimand these children where it becomes excessive and therefore becomes counterproductive. You get so mad with your child, you said, go back to where you're coming from. You, st- you, you don't sleep in this house tonight. Okay. Keep on doing it. You'll be raising a thug after a while. No, that's too severe. Excessive se- severity. Number three, untender. U-N-T-E-N-D-E-R. Untender. And uncircumspect conversation of parents on tender and on circumspect conversation of parents in other words these kids are hearing conversation between, between father and mother it's not tender and it's not circumspect they're hearing it they're hearing it and this is the natural human tendency hear me Kids will always receive embrace the bad examples before the good ones. They will copy the bad example than what is good and praiseworthy. You can't be saying certain things in your house, your kids are hearing them, and you say, Well, don't, 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 don't ignore that conversation. <laughs> You know how the judge will tell the jury, ignore that, suck it out. They've already heard it. <laughs> they see the sun already. Gotta watch it. <laughs> Lastly, the influence of bad company and the bad example of others. And unfortunately in this day and time, that's all around us. It's all just too prevalent. Yep. Now, there may be more. This is just for. I don't want to inundate you with information. I just want to give you things that are. Now, I want to get into the meat of this message. I want to get into the meat of this message. Hear me. Under the law, the most godly man cannot transmit godliness to their children. Grace was not hereditary under the law. Samuel was a good man. He could not it. Eli was a high priest. He could not transmit it. David was a God lover. He was handicapped. Abraham was the father of faith. They just could not under that era transmit what they had in a sustainable way to the future generations. Oh, hallelujah! It just was not given to them to do. Now, all of them did not fail, but what I'm saying here is, as you will see in a minute, there's a huge difference between now. And then. And that's why I'm encouraged by the time and the season and the day in which we're living. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 59 as I begin to bring this message to a close for today and see the greatness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 59 verse 21 now mind you the context of this scripture is after the cross in the book of isaiah isaiah chapter 53 is the cross everything beyond that is post cross in isaiah do you understand what i just said yes chapter 59 verse 21 as for me says the lord this is my covenant with them. This is our covenant. Say, this is our covenant. This is our covenant. Only say, this is my covenant. This is covenant. Thank you. My spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants. Not from the mouth of your descendants. Descendants says the Lord from this time and forevermore. Oh my God. From what time? time? Notice the scripture. From this time. This was not all along. But from this time. Going forward. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. From this time and forevermore. So from this time in history. Post the cross, God is saying He will do something that He had not done hitherto. He will put His Spirit upon you, He will put His Word upon you. And that Spirit and the Word that He puts upon us, He will put them upon our children and their children's children from this time forevermore. So don't use someone's fellow as a point of reference. Don't use Eli's failure as your point of reference. They live under the law, they don't have what you have now. God has changed the rules in the middle of the game. He's given us grace, enablement, and, and I'm about to prove it to you now in the scriptures. My god, I hope you have the shouting shoes on. Because when I saw this, I said, Jesus, you are just too much. Look at Acts chapter 10. Under the law, godly men could not transmit righteousness. Under the law, grace was not hereditary. Acts chapter 10. Verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian band, a devout man, and one who feared God with all his household who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and said to him, Cornelius! And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. What? Did you guys see what I just saw? What lens did you put on this money, Marie? Is it the law or grace? (laughs) Is it because if if you don't put on the correct lenses, you will skip just to mean different things to you? Cornelius was not born again. God had his prayer. Jesus loves me. Yes, I know. How in the heck could that happen? How did that happen? not only did god hear his prayer he sent an angel to a man Daniel, who was not born again that would destroy most of our theology <laughs> first of all let me let me let, let me answer the question let me help us this issue about god not hearing sinners number one is a lie thank you sir you know what's a lie because you are born again. How did God hear you when you got born again? How did you hear your prayer when you got born again? You are a sinner praying to become born again and he heard you. So if he does not hear sinners, you are still in your sin on your way to hell. Religion is a terrible thing I going to destroy the thing. Easy, sir. Easy. I'm telling you. (laughs) Put us in a cage, in a bondage. (laughs) Where's the dollar? dollar. dollar. God bless you. The rest of you will catch on after a while. Can you imagine that? I have been taught for a long time God does not hear sinners. Not only did God hear him say, listen, your prayers has come as a memorial. Yes. Yes. Wow. A memorial. And I'm dispatching an angel to your situation. Yes. Why? Grace is at work. Yes. Say grace is at work. Give me a high five. Grace is at work. May the law? God said you need more teaching. You need more instruction. I've seen your heart man looks at the outer appearance man labels you so you are not born again, you are a sinner but God has looked into your heart knows that your heart is ready to be plumped yes, and will expedite yes, what you are already longing in your heart and will give you the aid and enablement to be who you ought to be I don't know who I am talking to this morning but I am telling you God is sending help to your situation Let's read on. Your prayers and your arms have been come up for a memorial. Can you imagine that? Ah, God. How can you hear a sinner? Why did you hear a sinner? Because it's God. It's just that simple. Okay. Uh, let me move on here. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. I had this marked in my other Bible. Okay. Come on, Cardinus. Where are you? Okay, let me look at my notes. 24. Acts 10 24. And the following day, they entered Sasera. This is my emphasis. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Okay? Now, in verse... In verse... After Peter got there and he began to share ministry, we are told in uh, verse da da, da 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 okay okay verse 44 verse 44 while Peter was still speaking these words the Holy Spirit fell upon just Cornelius all those who heard the word Acts chapter 16 Acts chapter 16 in verse 31 Acts 16 verse 31 So they said Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved Is that all? You and your what? Household. In the Old Testament, under the law, God dealt with the man or the individual. But under the covenant of grace, it's not only dealing with the individual, but a promise is now extended to your household. Not a guarantee but a promise. A promise, nonetheless. God, because he wants to perpetrate himself in generations, is saying that grace I put upon you I promise to extend to your household. Why? Because I want to perpetrate myself in and through them for generations to come. Huge. Now, how did this play out in the New Testament? I want us to see this because I'm going to close with this in a minute. Acts 16. Let's just read from verse 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. You your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house, and he took them the same hour all the night and washed their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with who? All his household. What the men under the law could not make happen, what they could not transmit beyond themselves, we are seeing it now under grace that God is extending that and making it happen beyond the individual. Let's go to 2 Timothy. And I'm going to tell you why in a minute. We're almost done. Second Timothy chapter 1. 2nd Timothy chapter 1. Verse 3. I thank God who myself with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did. As with that season, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. Now look at this. Verse right. 5. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwell first in your grandmother laws, and your mother is, and I'm persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through what? the laying on of my hands. Ah! Paul is giving us a very critical tool here. Lois, the grandmother, was born again. Pass something on to Enos. Enos was born again. Pass something on to Timothy. Now Paul said, I crowned it with the laying on of my hands to stir up what's already deposited in you question, parents, what are you using your hands to do to your children? Are your hands the instrument of God's blessing or the instruments of man's chastisement? When you raise your hands at your children, do they see joy or pain? Do they see love or hatred? Do they say something good is about to happen to me because my mother and my father's hands are raised? search all three scriptures whenever you hear about the hand of god it's something miraculous whenever you hear about the hand of god is something good and wonderful yes. but true parents in our humanity have perverted what god intended for good your hands upon your children To confer upon their blessings When Jacob was going to bless The sons of Joseph He put his hands on their head And prophesied on those children And those children received By God's impartation through Jacob The blessings of God But for many of us Our hands have God Have destroyed Have broken Have injured Have totally completely pushed our children Off the way We need to repent. Change our minds. And acknowledge to God we have not used our hands for the right purpose. We've perverted God's use for our hands. God said, my hand is not so short that I cannot save. So you see it there by inference. God's hand is to rescue. It's to deliver is to save is to bless okay. many of us are given a five-fold ministry of our hands to curse our children and then we wonder why they are walking out of the way we've perverted the methods of God and therefore we cannot produce the result from God let me move on here I've got to bring this to an end Second Timothy chapter 3 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 14 and 15 <clears throat> look at verse 14 Second Timothy 3 verse 14 but you must continue in the things which you have learned and be assured of knowing from whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. Do you see this? This boy needed the Scriptures not just as an adult but from childhood. Who taught him? But from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. Now, to crown this message, and to seal it, to understand why, under grace, we can anticipate, we can believe, we can expect for our children to receive the same transmission of grace that's upon us. Why is that possible? Why? Why did the kids under Samuel fail? Why did the kids under Eli fail? Why did the kids of David, why did they fail? Why? Can we have the assurance that our children will not fail? Why? We've already seen it it in the New Testament. Household salvation. It's available. But how? How did that happen? How did that happen? Let me present to you the mighty Jesus, the Emmanuel, the God that's with us, the God that loves us, the God that saves us that God that sanctifies us, that God as a way maker, that God as a restorer, that God as a rescuer, that God as a deliverer. Oh, Jesus, that Son of the living God, let me show you that the plan of God from the very beginning was that this Lamb of God will not only take away the sins of the world, but will ensure, ensure that the world will stay saved. Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. This was before the law. The law did not begin until Exodus chapter 20. But look at what God said in Exodus chapter 12. This absolutely, completely blew me away and it's not giving me the assurance. The word says, remember your word unto your servant upon which you have caused me to have hope. This is my comfort in my time of affliction. Why can I have the comfort that my children will not serve there? Why can I have the conviction, the assurance of God's promise that my children will not become wayward? Why can you have the assurance that your children will serve God? Why? Because if you don't know why, you'll be on a slippery slope. You have no foundation to stand upon. Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. it shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel saying, on the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb. According to the house of his father, a lamb for what? No, you didn't see it. Yeah. Oh, did you see it? Yes. A lamb for household. This number of Mary, did not just come for you. The land of God was for the household. that was God's plan from the very beginning. And everyone who sat in that house under that blood, the Bible said, were preserved. And the death angel passed over them. I'm here to tell you this morning that this angel will pass over your children. That death angel will pass over you. That this angel is destroyed once and forever because the Lamb of God stands upon the top of my heart. The Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, He lives forevermore. Oh, sure. I swear, I can guarantee the power of the blood. Don't tell me what will be for children. I can tell you, I prophesy, I declare, I decree that children will serve God. That children's children will serve God. Why? Because I love is for the house. Way right back in Exodus. Way right back before the law. God said this blood will be so efficacious. It will be so powerful. Coach, it will just save you. The power of that blood will be so powerful. Everything in this cross will get life. Amen. Amen. So Paul now counts it in First Corinthians 5-7. He said, our Passover has been sacrificed for us. Jesus Christ the Lord. In case you are wondering, who is God talking about in Exodus chapter 12? Paul answers the question. Therefore, part of the 11, that you may be a new lamp since you truly are unleavened for indeed christ our passover when it is the passover exodus 12 was sacrificed for us don't believe a lie i thank god for the pin research but i don't buy it the information is only good for a moment the information of God is eternal. Yeah. It was written before the people began. Yeah. After he was finished, we still stay with Him. Hallelujah. Yeah. We begin to call the things that are not as though they are. Your children don't belong to the devil. Your children don't belong to the first house. Your, Your, Your children are not slaves. Your children are in the hands of God, God has blessed you. He's blessing your family. He's blessing your household. He's blessing your children. In the name of Jesus. It does no matter what the child is doing now. No, 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 no. I'm not seeing what I do now. I'm seeing the enemy's judge. You're holy. You're righteous. Hallelujah! Yeah. Hallelujah! Oh, God, it's a lamb for a household. Yes. Don't ever forget that. Yes. Don't ever, ever, ever forget your under yes. you. David may not be able to do it. He lived in a different era. Yes. David is looking down saying, Wow man God look what you have for these people wow. it's a new day yes. and so father we bless your name we thank you Lord God first and foremost that there's none that's born among us none you said in your word that the barren will be a mother of seven children Amen. and so Lord in Jesus name you perfectly perfected it. We are calling those things that be not as though they, 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 they are. And so we receive children yeah. upon children, yeah. upon children, upon children, upon children, upon children. In the name of Jesus, yeah. children are a heritage of the Lord. Every man and every woman who is desired to have a child, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the manifestation. In the name of Jesus, you are the surgeon, you are the doctor, you are the healer. There is no sickness or no disease that's your specialty my God I pray for healing yeah. in the of your people touch them right now in the name of Jesus thank you my God for confirming your word in and through your people and Lord there are parents who are grieving over their children they don't like what they're saying they've murmured they've complained they've disciplined they're upset but your word said the wrath of man can never walk the righteousness of God. Rather, we submit to the word. We remember the word upon which our to have hope. This is our comfort in our time of affliction. We settle upon the integrity of the word of God that's forever settled in heaven. You said, the lamb, you live our house. And therefore... As for me and my household, we are saved, we are sanctified, we are secured, we are God lovers, us, we are God, uh, kingdom advance us, in the name of Jesus, turn every household situation around, whatever that real world child is doing, turn it around, 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 turn it around. Turn it around. Turn it around. Turn it around efficacy of the power of the Lamb and the blood that He gave. Let it be sufficient to touch them, touch their hearts, wherever they may be. Let them have a distaste for whatever they are doing of God. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. We call them back home. We call them back home. We call them back home. In the name of Jesus, they will return they will return and live on a bloody path under worship, the name of God, in the name of Jesus. We refuse to let the devil still our children. Our children belong to the devil. They belong to a holy God. They belong to a super God. They belong to the a mighty God. We declare right now, every child of the household of faith belongs to God. In the name of Jesus. oh God. Get your honor, the glory, the praise. the out worship, out of lives. In Jesus' name. Our children are no good for the enemy. There are no good for the enemy. They are no good for the enemy. And let it know why because the power of the blood is in your house. Hallelujah. The power of the blood is in your house. Satan will pass over this house. There is no business in this house. Watch this person in the name of Jesus. As a father, we bless you. Lord Jesus, we appreciate you. Jesus, we minister back to you. Oh, what a wonderful God you are. How you love us so much. From right back in Exodus, you made provision for every home, every circumstance, every situation. Thank you. We embrace your word. We believe your word. We thank you for your word. And we give our families back to you. Get the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name. Bless you,